And now, your daily dose of debate, breaking news, and uncensored views. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great day where the presidential race, it's heating up. And there is an indictment in the air. As a matter of fact, uh, over at Fox News, Dana Perino, who of course was a former press aide to President George W. Bush, she's a Republican, she said, we are in the indictment zone. Is that a place anyone wants to be, or do you want to be instead at the UFO uh, ET zone? Uh, there is a very credible sounding uh, group of people, and it's not one or two, it's, it's several who claim to not only have seen an unidentified flying object in the sky, but as have seen some creatures who uh, emanated from that object. They were 10 feet tall. Uh, this is in Las Vegas. No, this has nothing to do with Bigfoot. We will bring you the latest on that issue. And uh, we'll also be speaking to the mayor of a city that has gotten into a great deal of controversy with an ordinance uh, that uh, means no sit, no lie. Uh, and it does, isn't banning lying in terms of telling untruths. It's banning lying as in lying on the grass or lying on the sidewalk. It is designed to curb the presence of homeless people, especially near sensitive areas where homeless services are provided. Uh, we'll be speaking to Mayor Cassie Franklin of Everett, Washington, coming up on the Michael Medved Show. And uh, ABC News is uh, reporting that former President Donald Trump received a letter from Special Counsel Jack Smith's office informing him that he is the target of an ongoing investigation related to his handling of classified information while out of office. Sources familiar with the matter confirmed. Uh, the point of a target letter is to put the subject on notice that they are facing the prospect of indictment. Department of Justice guidelines state that the prosecutor in appropriate cases is encouraged to notify such a person a reasonable time before seeking an indictment in order to afford him or her an opportunity to testify before the grand jury. Uh, Trump has repeatedly denied wrongdoing and argues he is being singled out by enemies. I've done nothing wrong, but I have assumed for years that I am a target of the weaponized DOG and FBI, he wrote on social media this week. He also wrote this, President Trump, most recently, uh, Wow, this is turning out to be the greatest and most vicious instance of election interference in the history of our country. Remember, I'm leading the sanctimonious big, and big in capitals, in the polls. But more importantly, I'm leading Biden by a lot. Also, and perhaps most importantly, they are launching all of the many fake investigations, fake with a capital F, uh, against me right smack in the middle of my campaign. Something which is unheard of and not supposed to happen. DOG, FBI, New York AG. New York DA, Atlanta DA, fascists all. And uh, longtime Trump aide uh, Taylor Budowicz was asked yesterday before the grand jury, this is the one that's been set up in Florida, about the documents at Mar-a-Lago. He uh, 
was asked yesterday to appear before the grand jury about a past public statement on behalf of Trump representing that the former president had not retained classified records, uh, source said. He, he obviously had retained classified records. The Florida grand jury is separate from a panel that has already been uh, convening in Washington, D.C. These are two different grand juries for presumably two different violations and potential indictments. One in Washington, D.C., that regarding uh, to a terrible day in Washington, D.C., a day when the, uh, the Capitol building was attacked. And yes, it was attacked. By the way, they just uh, indicted another Hollywood actor who is a popular TV star as being part of the January 6th riots. We will get to that. It's now 1,040 people who have been arrested and, and charged because of the riot on January 6th. That's the Washington grand jury, and there's a lot going on there, uh, supervised by Jack Smith, who was appointed by the president to uh, try to investigate some of the charges against President Trump, just like there's another prosecutor, Robert Hoor, who is investigating President Biden for the papers that were left in his garage. The difference appears to be there are no charges that Biden uh, knew about the papers in his possession or refused to cooperate with the National Archives. A part of the charge against Trump would presumably be for obstruction because he didn't uh, answer the demands for returning the classified documents that belonged to the government and not to him. The Florida grand jury separate from the panel in Washington, D.C. The investigation began last year when the National Archives alerted the FBI that government documents uh, Trump had returned after having been out of office for about a year, included 184 that were marked classified. Trump has denied any uh, wrongdoing. Uh, there was also this horrible attack in France, and this goes to uh, some of the concerns by Gavin Newsom. Uh, Gavin Newsom uh, is going to be determined to be in the news because if there is going to be some kind of replacement for Joe Biden because of concerns about his age and health and things of that nature. And there's more and more conversation about that. Juan Williams has a column uh, saying that uh, the Republicans should be careful not to put too much emphasis on Biden's age because of the elderly nature of so many Republican leaders. But uh, in any event, the, the, uh, the idea here is that what happened in France is an indication that horrible, horrible things can happen even without guns. Uh, Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, is proposing a national constitutional amendment that uh, would basically restrict gun ownership in a way that uh, he obviously acknowledges the Second Amendment prevents. It, the, in Annecy, France, a man armed with a knife attacked a group of preschool children who were playing by a lake in this very scenic location in the French Alps today. He wounded four as well as an adult, sending shockwaves through the country. The suspect is a Syrian in his early 30s who was granted refugee status in Sweden in April. 
Uh, witnesses described the suspected knife man running around in a frenzy, apparently attacking people at random before he was shot by police near the banks of Lake Anansi. Um, we will get to all of this, uh, also to uh, the idea that uh, uh, the L.A. Times suggesting that Biden should remind voters how right he was to pick Harris. Uh, wouldn't, wouldn't that actually, if, if uh, Joe Biden did that, wouldn't people say that, well, he was acknowledging that he may not serve out his term? Uh, there's actually uh, a, a good example of uh, Nikki Haley, who has had a very disciplined campaign, going pretty far in saying that she doesn't think that uh, Joe Biden would make it to age 86, which is how old he would be at the end of a second term, so that if you're voting for Joe Biden, you're re really voting for Kamala Harris. Uh, we will get to that as well. And uh, yelling Bible verses, is that against the law? Should it be uh, broken up by police? A Bible versus where? At a pride event. Uh, we will get to that as well on the Medved Show. 1-800-955-1776. From uh, President Trump uh, on his Truth Social uh, social media site, he uh, he writes the fake case against me must be immediately dropped, and the Inspector General should launch an investigation into this and many other all too obvious wrongdoings and crimes taking place at the DOJ and the FBI, and. Uh, uh, this, uh, by the way, coming after he had already sent out a previous uh, truth, as they're called on Truth Social, uh, saying that Republicans in Congress should make their top priority stopping the investigations against him, against President Trump. Uh, this is uh, Fox News. This is Dana Perino on the Trump uh, classified materials case and where we stand just now. I think that we are in the indictment zone. I don't know if it's tomorrow. I don't know if it's next week. I don't know if the grand jury is going to come back and say, we don't think an indictment is warranted here. That could also happen. Could happen. Uh, but I do think that your point about Trump's lawyers meeting with the prosecutors, and we haven't heard that that went super well. So we, I, that's why I think we're in the zone. So could Donald Trump just stay at Mar-a-Lago or wherever he is and say, come and get me? He could. I think, this is, I think there's the, the likely scenario and then what could possibly happen, which might actually happen under President Trump. The likely scenario is that his lawyers are informed that he is going to be indicted. He needs to turn himself in. They give him an opportunity to surrender, just like he did a few months ago right. in the New York case. So he comes to D.C. or wherever they are filing the case, and you will have an arrest. Now, we didn't get a picture. Remember, Would, do you get one in a federal case? Not necessarily. I think this is so unprecedented. Right. This is a former president, also a candidate in the election. This is crazy. So it is unprecedented.
Okay, uh, it is uh, extraordinarily unusual. Uh, there was a suggestion by Asa Hutchinson, who is the former governor of Arkansas, who's one of now the dozen announced GOP candidates for the presidential nomination. He's also a former congressman. The uh, the everyone is is concerned who's running for president about getting that uh, forty thousand different contributors, and that's the exact number you need. You need them spread over a bunch of different states. Contributing money to your campaign, that will qualify you to get into the debate. But the other thing that you have to do to get into the debate is to sign a document that says you will agree to support any of uh, the candidates who is nominated, that you will support the Republican nominee. And even uh, Mike Pence, who uh, came out with a very hard-hitting, I think very effective, uh, announcement of candidacy yesterday, and one that was very critical of President Trump when he was asked about it. He was asked, would you support President Trump if he won the nomination? And Pence just repeatedly wouldn't answer the question directly, but he said again and again, I will support the nominee of my party which means that he would sign such a document and fine. But Asa Hutchinson, uh, who has been running uh, with some pretty open criticism of President Trump, I mean, not on the same level of intensity as Chris Christie, but uh, certainly on the same level of intensity as Mike Pence. In any event, he said that uh, that should be changed and should say that I uh, will agree to support my candidate of my party as as long as he uh, has not been convicted of some kind of gross misdemeanor or felony. And uh, again, it's, that's probably meaningless because the chances that they would finish an indictment and a trial and a conviction of Trump on any of the things he's charged with, that they would finish that before the debate is scheduled in August, the chances of that are are slender. That's not likely to happen. Uh, more information, this from the Daily Mail about that Syrian refugee. He uh, was running around this uh, playground and uh, he knifed at least four children. Uh, the attacker was identified as Abdalmash H31, uh, first name, I guess, Abdalmash. He um, was screaming in the name of Jesus Christ as he repeatedly stabbed a toddler in his pram in front of his screaming mother in a frenzied attack at a French playground that saw four children all together, including a British girl, who were knifed. The attacker uh, was clutching while he knifed people onto a necklace with a crucifix on it before he launched his rampage in a lakeside park in the town of Annecy, a tourist hotspot in southeastern France. Uh, this was at about 9.45 this morning. The stressing video, it says, shows the attacker running into the small playground and then repeatedly stabbing a toddler in his pram while his screaming mother tries to protect him from the attack. What is the relevance here to the United States in particular? We have plenty of horrible, horrible, horrible attacks here in this country. But uh, they are generally addressed by uh, the political class as uh, requiring 
more regulation of guns and gun ownership and the whole idea that it's because we have too many guns in this country. This again is a stabbing, uh, but Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, released a video proposing a new amendment to the Constitution, uh, proposing the 28th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution to help end the gun violence crisis. Uh, these are the motivations that Governor Newsom described for his proposal. Uh, listen, clip 14A. Every time, it's the same. They tell us we can't stop these massacres. These mass. They tell us we have to stand by and watch tragedy after tragedy unfold in our communities. They say we can't stop domestic terrorism without violating the Second Amendment. And the thoughts and prayers are the best we can do. I'm here to say... That's a lie. In this country, we do have the power, the power to change things, to reclaim our freedom from fear. Our ability to make a more perfect union is literally written into the Constitution. So today, I'm proposing the 28th Amendment to the United States Constitution to do just that. Okay, and what would that 28th Amendment involve? Here's what he explains. This is clip B. Oh, we uh, will get to that. Uh, but first, we're going to be speaking to the mayor of Everett, Washington. They just passed a, a new bill in uh, Portland uh, allowing uh, the suppression of homeless people uh, during daylight hours, sleeping in public parks. Uh, what about the uh, no-sit, no-lie order in Everett, Washington? We'll be speaking to Everett Mayor Cassie Franklin. Uh, coming up on the Medved Show. Makes no sense. The Michael Medved Show. 1-800-955-1776. The Michael Medved Show. Michael Medved Show. It is an honor to welcome uh, to the show the mayor of Everett, Washington, uh, Mayor Cassie Franklin, who has uh, been directly involved in this ongoing controversy about the what's called the city's controversial no sit, no lie ordinance. Uh, and uh, the Everett City Council has uh, has actually expanded the original ordinance. Um, the basic idea, Mayor Franklin, and I understand that they've counted homeless people in Snohomish County, most of whom were congregating in Everett because that's where the facilities are, the resources are. But uh, Snohomish County, over 1,200 unsheltered homeless people, is that right? That's correct. And Everett is the county seat, the largest city on the I-5 corridor north of Seattle. So we see the majority of those folks right here in our city. Right. And uh, when you say no sit, no lie, this is not because you're trying to punish or torture people. What <laughs> is the purpose of saying that there are going to be specific areas 
like a 110 block area, apparently, where homeless people are just not permitted to plop themselves. Yeah. So, I mean, we have we already have a no sit, no lie area around the mission and we and it's been working very well in that area. And we decided that there's other areas that have been really problematic in our city. And so we wanted to create buffer zones, buffer zones around service facilities and also buffer zones around uh, businesses and, and residents that have been experiencing really significant impacts. And I, I guess I'd like to separate this isn't criminalizing homelessness. This is. Uh, holding people accountable for criminal actions that are engaged in criminal activity on our streets. So when when we have somebody who's uh, down on their luck, they they've fallen on hard times, uh, family uh, uh, folks that are needing help, we work to get them in a hotel and a temporary housing and connect them with resources and services. But we have other individuals that are um, perhaps chronically unsheltered. But they are engaged in a lot of illegal behaviors, whether they are openly using drugs, uh, you, uh, shoplifting to support their habit, um, breaking into cars and garages, and, and really just causing a lot of harm in our community. We want to say that in certain areas, uh, we need to clear that type of behavior so that people can access services that they need. And uh, when when you talk about the association between homelessness and substance use uh, disorder and addiction, um, how do you make a clear distinction between those two phenomena? Because they appear to be so directly related with such a high percentage of homeless people who have uh, substance use uh, disorders. Well, I think what, when, when people think about homelessness, they are thinking about people that may be suffering from severe behavioral health issues and substance use disorder. But there is a lot of folks experiencing homelessness or unsheltered in our communities that are not under the influence. And those are we, we probably don't see those individuals. Or when you see them, you don't know that they're experiencing homelessness because they're uh, working to be productively engaged in the community. They are trying to access services. Maybe they're being housed in a hotel temporarily. We can get them the supports they need, but we really in the state are far behind in getting uh, access to treatment and mental health services. And so we have people with severe uh, uh, challenges on our streets and, and, and they're perhaps using drugs to um, self-medicate uh, their, their illness, but that is you know, engaging them in illegal activities, and that's causing harm to everyone around them. So they don't belong outside. It's not safe or humane for them to be living like that outside, and it's certainly not safe for the rest of the community. So we want to uh, be able to incentivize them to get the services and supports that they need. Again, uh, there were some opposition at the city council to the no sit, no lie ordinance. Uh, Some... uh, some one citizen said this actually gives the public permission to hate them uh and there were others who said that uh going back to 2021 when this first came into uh prominence uh that uh this was actually a a a reaction of that was cruel to which you say That's absolutely not the case. You know, I'm a former service provider. Before I was mayor, I ran a program helping homeless youth and their families. I care deeply and passionately about everyone in this community, whether they're sheltered or not, whether they're addicted or ill or not. But 
people need to live in society, and it's not safe or compassionate to have people living outside, openly using fentanyl, um, stealing from folks or, or, or harassing folks because they, they don't have the capability to, to live successfully um, with others. We need to then uh, be able to get those folks into the supports they need. Uh, it's not criminalizing homelessness. That is, you know, people uh, fall on hard times. Anyone can fall on hard times. Um, but our state needs to do more to take care of people who clearly cannot take care of themselves. And, and just allowing them to live outside and, and uh, on our streets is, is not okay. So, you know, right now we do not have enough treatment. We do not have enough supports. And our jail system, folks have been saying, you know, well, you're criminalizing it. You know, our jail is where these a lot of these folks are getting medically assisted treatment. They're getting medical care. They're able to detox. And then after they've been in jail for a, a week or two or just even a couple of days, maybe they're in a better space to accept services. And so it's we really were just not speaking. about trying to hold, you know, criminalize them. It's really helping them um, on a path that to to to. Uh, be more successful. Mayor Franklin, I would urge you to take a look at a new article in Atlantic Magazine by Sam Quinones, who was on this show a couple of days ago. He's great. And he, he makes exactly the point that it is not merciful to allow people to wallow in their own addiction and for it to get worse and worse, especially with fentanyl and meth being so, so common today. And that really there is a role for law enforcement and that Absolutely. for many people, if not most people, who are trying to combat uh, addiction, uh, uh, jail actually happens to be a place where you can do that. There was a, yeah. also a, a, another individual who publicly testified at the Everett City Council when you met on this issue and he uh, pointed out there are a lot of homeless people that are gathering in our neighborhood and they are bringing drugs, trash, they're littering. They're not respecting the neighbors who live in the neighborhood. And that's what you're really talking about here is, is not just the homeless people, but the people who have to deal with that throughout the city of Everett. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's, it, it is it is. As mayor, I'm responsible for the, the health and safety and well-being of everybody in the city, whether they're sheltered or not, whether they're housed or not, whether they're addicted or not. And, and, and yeah, as, as Sam shares, it is not uh, safe. It is not acceptable. What are we, what's the message we're giving our children if people are openly smoking fentanyl and they have to walk by that on their way to school? Or, you know, as it happened to my daughter and I when we were walking to school, uh, somebody that clearly had severe behavioral health issues accosted us, and we had to jump out into the street to, to avoid um, being being struck by that person. So that is uh, this is not the way society is uh, c can stay <laughs> is, is, is healthy. This is not the way we should be. We we should exist. Uh, these folks deserve care and support. And you and others and our businesses deserve to be able to to run their businesses successfully, uh, to live safely in their homes, and to be able to walk in the community. And so, um, you know, as a, as a mayor, that, that balance is something that we just have to hold. And uh, I think it is important uh, you, uh, when you shared it. Uh, the community often says it's homelessness, but it really isn't homelessness that's the problem. It is open public drug use. It is the illegal behaviors that we're seeing, and that is what we're trying to address with these ordinances. 
And I wish you Godspeed in that effort. Uh, that's uh, Mayor Cassie Franklin of the city of Everett, Washington. We'll be right back with similar issues coast to coast in Portland and uh, in New York City. And uh, the idea of a 28th Amendment to the Constitution, that and more coming up. Michael, you know everything about anything. Michael Medved. And yes, our Constitution has been amended 27 times. Uh, even though it's very, very difficult to get through a constitutional amendment, all of those 27 amendments that have been successful have uh, something in common. And what do they have in common? They were all adopted first by Congress and then sent to the states. In other words, uh, if you have uh, the Congress of the United States, it can start in either the House or the Senate. And you have two-thirds of the House and two-thirds of the Senate. And they have adopted an amendment. Then it gets sent out to the states. And you then need both houses of the state legislature or the one state we have that has only one house in the legislature. That's Nebraska. Uh, so you need a, a total of um, what is it? It would normally be 100. You need 99 state legislatures, really different state legislative bodies that then uh, give you a uh, 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 approval of that constitutional amendment of that 99 state legislatures you need to get three quarters of them 75 percent so it's very difficult to to get amendments through and gavin newsom is uh, right now trying to get some attention even though in an interview after releasing this video he says no no he's not interested in becoming president but uh, this is a, a very big national issue. What he is calling upon people to do is to get not three-quarters of the states. What you need is two-thirds of the states to call a new constitutional convention. It's the kind of thing that Mark Levin has been talking about for years. But this uh, Gavin Newsom uh, kind of amendment would be the kind of amendment that uh, I'm not at all sure that Mr. Levin would approve or that most Republicans would approve or that most state legislatures would approve. And that's why it's so much a waste of time. It's basically uh, using the Constitution to do some very specific firearm regulation. Uh, how specific? Well, here's Governor Newsom of California talking about how he would change the founding charter of the United States, the uh, document that is the fountain of all of our laws and all, all of our constitutional decisions, he would add these provisions to the Constitution. Uh, listen, 14b. The 28th Amendment permanently enshrines four additions to the laws of our land. It raises the minimum age to purchase a firearm from 18 to 21. Because if you can't buy a beer, you shouldn't be able to buy a gun. It mandates universal background checks to prevent truly dangerous people from purchasing a gun that can be used in a crime. 
and institutes reasonable waiting periods for all gun purchases. And it bans civilians from buying assault rifles, those weapons of war our founding fathers never foresaw. This will guarantee states as well the ability to enact common sense gun safety laws while leaving the Second Amendment intact and respecting America's gun-owning tradition. The 28th locks in the common-sense constitutional protections that Democrats, Republicans, independents, and gun owners overwhelmingly support. And it ensures NRA-owned politicians can never strip those protections away. This fight won't be easy, and it certainly won't be fast. Convening a constitutional convention requires two-thirds of the states to call for this. California will be the first. But that's just the beginning. Join us. Okay, uh, this is an almost complete waste of time. The majority of those 99 state legislative houses uh, where you need to get two-thirds of them in order to even call this constitutional convention and they need to get three-fourths of all those legislative houses that uh, have to come through to adopt an amendment. Most of those legislative houses are dominated by Republicans, or some of them are evenly split. But the idea that you're going to get more than a handful of Republicans anywhere wanting to change permanently the U.S. Constitution, and by the way, when you talk about changing the the uh, age that you have to reach before you can purchase certain kinds of firearms. Having the Constitution of the United States, which is supposed to be the foundation of law and uh, broad and universal principles that are um, extraordinarily important, to have that go into detail about what kind of guns you can buy and can't buy and by the way, there really is nothing. It's I, a lot of this has to do with the new jurisprudence that was introduced by Justice Scalia with the Heller case, and uh, where they are getting more aggressive about limiting the amount that uh, you can limit firearm purchase. But uh, the the idea that you would need to change the Constitution in order to change uh, in state by state by state the the age you would reach before you can buy a gun it's preposterous you can do this far more easily uh, and far more successfully uh, you can make this kind of change by uh, simply going into the state legislature and having a majority vote Newsom was interviewed on uh, NBC News, and uh, a, a reporter asked him, okay, how is this even possible, uh, given the, the mixed control of legislative bodies all around the country where not everybody in every legislature even agrees on these points? And uh, here's his response. Listen. To achieve this, he'll need two-thirds of states to propose the same amendment. That would trigger a constitutional convention, where three-quarters of states would have to vote yes for the amendment to pass. But more than half of these state legislatures are controlled by Republicans. So how is this possible? How is this going to happen? It's possible because their constituency demands it. In fact, a recent Fox News poll found most Americans are in favor of these measures. There's not a parent out there, not one parent, you included, that doesn't think about these things when you send your kids 
to scorch. You know very well what the critics are going to say about this. California has some of the strictest gun laws in the nation. In the first month of the year, between Half Moon Bay and Monterey Park, 18 people were killed. That's what they're going to say. What do we need this 28th Amendment for? And well, California's gun death rate today is 73 percent lower than Texas. These federal judges want to turn America into Texas. We cannot let that happen. The well, why not then concentrate on turning uh, Texas into America and changing the minds of people who live in Texas? Again, this is a disrespect for the democratic process. Uh, it's a stunt. Uh, it will go nowhere. They cite in uh, the NBC coverage a Fox News poll saying 87% of voters favor criminal background checks, 77% support a 30-day waiting period. All of those things are possible. They will not be found unconstitutional. They do not contradict the Second Amendment. And those changes have been made in state after state after state without being thrown out on a constitutional basis. Uh, right now, there's a lot of discussion about Governor Newsom because there's a lot of discussion about Dianne Feinstein. And Dianne Feinstein uh, clearly, clearly should think about retiring and retiring soon. And no, there won't be a Republican to replace her because Governor Newsom gets to appoint her replacement. What's fascinating, as I saw today, that they are speculating, they, there's already three announced candidates, big, prominent announced candidates, who are running for that Senate seat in California to replace her. Uh, Adam Schiff, the congressman, Congressman Barbara Lee, who was the only congressman to vote both against the Iraq War and against the uh, American uh, effort in Afghanistan. Uh, she's from Northern California. And uh, then Katie Porter, who is also a member of the squad and one of the uh, more outspoken radical liberals in, in the United States House. Uh, any of those could win the election, but the fascinating thing is that they probably will have an interim appointment. And uh, Gavin Newsom has already said that if he makes an interim appointment, He's going to appoint a black woman. Now, who would it be? There's been a great, yeah, Kamala Harris, right? That's a seat she used to, as she used to hold the other Senate seat. Oprah Winfrey has been rumored. They're also talking about appointing Leon Panetta, former head of the CIA. They're talking about appointing Jerry Brown, who is a governor of California twice and very recently. Uh, what will happen, we will see in this greatest nation on God's...